Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorse.org and enjoy the message today. Matthew 24 and verse number 33, here's what the scripture says. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word, to break the bread of life. Touch me to be able to effectively communicate your word as the pen of a ready writer. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear, the hearts to receive, our understanding that it would be enlightened today. We rely heavily upon you and upon the preacher, the Holy Spirit, and the anointing today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So likewise ye, when ye see, shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. There's a list of things there in Matthew chapter 24 that the Bible tells us will be happening. The Bible says we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the signs of the times. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The beginning of sorrows that the Bible talks about theologically probably started about 2,000 years ago when the early church began to be persecuted for preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say this here in the very beginning of this message that uh, they're not, they weren't just persecuted 2,000 years ago, they're still being persecuted today in different parts of the world today. But I want to talk to you about 10 signs that Jesus is coming. The first sign that we're going to talk about is found in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 4 where the Bible says, Even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased in the land. So the first sign that Jesus is coming soon is that knowledge will be increased in the land. If you just back up about 125 years, you'll find that there were no cars, that there, were no, there, there was a horse and maybe a buggy. There weren't any cars. There wasn't no television. There wasn't any radio. There wasn't any electricity. There were any of that, this. I mean, I'm talking about 125 to 150 years ago. I'm not talking 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on Calvary. I'm talking 125 to 150 years ago. Well, in my lifetime, in the 51 years that I've been alive, there has been more advancement in the area of technology and in the increase of knowledge in the earth than there has been in the whole 1967 years since Jesus ascended till the time that I was born. So in 50 years, there has been more advancement in that area than at any other time. It's a sign that Jesus is coming soon. The fastest form of transportation used to be a horse. Now we have airplanes and people even travel to the moon. Can you imagine that? And they're talking about putting someone on Mars. I always knew there would be Martians. Anyways, who knows what they'll find when they get there. But technology has also developed at a rapid pace. It's led, we have great improvements in computer power, scientific discoveries, the medical profession. We've learned a lot about the human body through the study of DNA and through cellular structure. And so we see this knowledge being increased in the earth. 
And then this passage of Scripture also says that people would be running to and fro on the earth. And I think this specifically talks today about planes and trains and automobiles and the busyness of modern day life. We are definitely running to and fro. You know, computers were supposed to speed things up for us. Getting a vehicle was supposed to get us places faster so we could get done what we needed to get done so we could come home and we could spend more time with the family. But really what has happened, it has just speeded up life. I mean, if you don't agree with me, just think about, you know, just yesterday you were 10 years younger, right? That's how it feels, right? I mean, I look at myself in the mirror when I get up in the morning and I have to introduce myself to the man looking back. I'm like, hello, my name is Johnny. What's your name? Where did you come from? What happened to your hair? Oh, you're Johnny. You're not. You can't be Johnny. You know, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Some of you ladies, you get up, you look in the mirror, and you say, Hello, your hair used to be gray, now it's red. Then the next morning, you get, well, your hair used to be red, now it's purple. You're, you know, you get up the next morning, hello, you're... Anyway, okay, switch out the wigs. So any, anyways, <laughs> increase in knowledge. There was, there's an increase, and people running to and fro. The busyness of today, the busyness of society is all a sign of the times. The second sign of the times that I want to talk to you about today is the ability to enforce the mark of the beast. It's here today. Some people say, well, the mark of the beast is 666. No, that's not the mark of the beast. I'll give you scripture for that in just a few moments. That is the number of his name. The Bible says in Revelation 13 and 17, and that no man might buy or sell save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so the enemy has caused us to call 666, which is the number of the beast. He's caused us to call that the mark of the beast. So when, when people receive the mark of the beast, they don't even realize they've received it because it doesn't say 666. And so they think that that is the mark of the beast. It's the number of his name. Well, what I want to talk about today when it comes to this is the ability to enforce that mark. The Bible said no person will be able to buy or to sell unless they have the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so there has to be a structure set up in society for that to actually be enforced and we see that structure being set up in society today. Here's what it looks like. There, there has never been a time in history where you could pick up your phone and just pay for stuff. I mean, my goodness, I go through Starbucks, I pull up my Starbucks app, I go like that, they go pow, they go, actually they go like that, and there's a little red light that goes like that, and it takes the money right out of my account. I mean, PayPal, who would ever, when I was growing up, nobody even knew what PayPal was. PayPal what? Pay, who's your pal you're going to pay? You know, I mean, so that, that just wasn't there. But PayPal is set up. Google Wallet is set up. Apple Pay is set up. There's an entire industry now around Bitcoin. Some of you older folks may not be familiar with Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is pieces of data that people are using today for currency. They can cash them in for cash. There is an entire trading system today like we have in the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. There's an entire trading system where people literally trade bitcoins and there are now young people that are becoming bitcoin millionaires. 
which means they can cash that data in for cash and become a millionaire because they traded Bitcoin in the Bitcoin market. It's pieces of data. It's not even cash. It's, it's not even pennies. It's not even dimes. It's not nickels. It's not that. It's pieces of data. So you look at the headlines today, and, and you don't see a lot of this reported, but cash is almost dead. Cash is almost dead. Uh, MasterCard tracks global economics and cashless societies now. There are leaders around the world that are pushing for cashless society. The UN World Food Program is now giving smart cards and accepting digital payments in lieu of cash and paper payments. Cashless society, uh, is, a cashless society drive is gaining momentum in countries like Rwanda and different parts of the world. And Sweden is probably the number one country today that is the closest of all of the countries of being a cashless society. You say, well, Pastor, why are you sharing that with us? Because it's this system that has to be in place in order to enforce the mark. Think about that. Think about that. Then the third sign that I want to share with you. The Bible says in the last days that the man of sin would be revealed. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, the Bible said, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. On one hand, we live in a time of great revival, and the Bible talks about a great revival that go, will go around the world. And there is a great revival in different parts of the world. But in other parts of the world, in post-Christian culture nations, like we are entering into here in America, we are seeing a great falling away. Now, I'm not talking about a great falling away of people falling away and not coming to church. I'm talking about the message of the gospel no longer being preached in the pulpits. People are still coming to church, but they're not receiving the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, if it doesn't involve the cross, if there's no talk about the blood of Jesus, if there's no talk about redemption, if there's no talk about those things, it's not the gospel, it's just a feel-good speech. And there's a difference today. Churches are filling up today because people are going to church to feel good instead of receiving the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so serving God, and we're talking about this great, this great falling away, serving God and meeting in Christian community are no longer priorities in American culture today. And because of it, there is widespread apostasy in our society. It began when prayer was taken out of schools because the church was too busy uh, focusing on themselves and they didn't insert themselves into the culture of the day. And because of it, the enemy went in and just cherry-picked prayer right out of our schools. And then the church followed suit. They got around the 80s and everybody was shucking and jiving and moving with the new music, all of this kind of stuff. And that's wonderful. That's great. I, I, I like it. I like the praise and worship. But they forgot something. That what they did was they were doing all of these kinds of things. And so we had people that all of a sudden didn't think it was uh, really uh, that necessary to bring their children to 
Sunday school anymore. And because there was a problem with that, churches just kind of done away with Sunday school. And that was in the 80s. And now here we are in 2015, 2019 actually. Here we are 20, 30 years later and we have 25-year-olds that don't even know who Noah is, that don't know who, who Samson is. You talk about Gideon and his 300 valiant men. They're like, who in the world is that? Well, the reason is because we started looking for things to be more convenient and we started looking for things to be more relevant and because of it we sacrificed the spiritual education of our children and now we don't and now we're wondering why we have a millennial generation where only 12% of them think that going to church is valuable enough for them to include it in their every week activities you didn't prioritize it so they don't prioritize it the parents didn't that's what i'm saying and so, it's a sign of the time. It's a sign of the time. So, the American church now worships at the altars of convenience and relativism. It's not convenient, so I'm not going to go. Pastor Marengo, in our first service, talked about how that over half of his church walks to church. They walk to church. You know why? Because they don't have a bicycle, they don't have a car, they don't have a motorbike, they have their feet. And they walk to church, and they come, and they start at 6 o'clock in the morning, they go to 9 o'clock in the morning. When he was a kid, they would go to church 6 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, and then they would worship for three hours, and they'd come home at 9 o'clock in the morning and do their chores and do what they needed to do. We don't have that kind of commitment in America, and because of it, we are entering into a post-Christian culture. You say, well, Pastor, you're, trying to, you're really being negative. I'm not being negative. I'm shining the light on the fact that the Bible said this was going to happen in the last days, and it's a sign that Jesus is coming soon. It's a sign that He's coming soon. Now let's continue on. Verse number or number four, the end time sign number four. The Bible said that violence and sexual immorality would gain great strides during that time. Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Luke 17, 28 through 30. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They ate. They drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the day, the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So what was it like in Noah's day? What was it like in Lot's day? Genesis 6 and verse 13, the Bible tells us that in Noah's day, the earth was filled with violence. Now here in America today, we have problems with violence in different places, different cities and things like that. But if you look around the world and you get outside of our borders, you'll find that there are many violent places in the world today. It's a sign of the times. It's a sign of the times. The Bible said in these times, look up for your redemption draws nigh. For me, it's not something that makes me want to wring my hands. It's something that kind of gets me excited because I'm realizing that Jesus is going to come. Jesus, is, he's getting ready to come. In Jude chapter 1 and verse number 7, what was it like in Lot's day? The Bible said Sodom and Gomorrah had given itself over to fornication and strange flesh. So the Bible says that, that uh, in Noah's day, sexual, uh, there, there was violence in Noah's day and sexual immorality prevailed in Lot's day. So the question I want to ask you is this. Does violence and sexual immorality prevail in our day today? I think so because... There are 110 million cases 
of sexually transmitted diseases in the world today with over 20 million new cases every year in America alone. In America alone. So there's a move today to try to normalize sexual immorality and try to redefine sexual immorality and try to redefine violence. It begins in our educational system. And so they're trying, they're trying to redefine. And they're using words like, well, we just need to be more tolerant and we need to be more accepting. And we may, Listen, the Bible is the Bible. What the Bible says is what we live by. We are Christians. Whatever the Bible says, that's what we live by. Here's what the Bible says. In Jude chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share... I felt compelled to, compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people or to the saints. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They're ungodly people. They pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and they deny Jesus Christ as our only sovereign Lord and Savior. That's Bible. That's what the Bible says. It's defining the day and age in which we live. Verse 5. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these He has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Verse 7. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion and they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Now that is not a commentary. That is the Bible. Reading to you from the Bible. It defines how we are living today. It defines the culture in which we live today. And when our children go to school and they use Words like being tolerant and being accept, accepting and being loving and being compassionate. I don't see anything compassionate about encouraging people to live lifestyles that's going to put them in hell. It's what the Bible says. Listen, there's too many spineless preachers in the pulpit today. They're afraid they're going to offend somebody. It's offensive to me that they won't stand up and call sin, sin and they'll let people sitting under the sound of their voice just live that way and go to hell. There's no love there. That's not love. Too worried about their pocketbook. Too worried about not enough people in, in the church. Listen, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. And I don't want to stand up there at the great white throne judgment and see people that sit in my congregation and Jesus look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they turn and point to me and say, why didn't you preach to me what the Bible says? I'm preaching it to you right now. I'm telling it to you right now. Listen, listen. In the days and when Jesus is getting ready to come, the Bible said there will be violence and sexual immorality that will be running rampant in the world Today, and that's happening today. The fifth sign that Jesus is coming is the rise in spiritualism. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's the Bible. How about a rise in spiritism and the occult world? There's a rise going on in that. I was made aware of this about a year ago when I, 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 I was talking to a friend of mine and, and I'd ask him, because I knew he knew the guy, I'd ask him about uh, this guy that I hadn't heard anything about in about 14 years and he was a prominent young minister. He was really rising in the ranks and God was using him and there was anointing on his life and God was really using him to win a lot of people to Jesus and then all of a sudden he just kind of dropped off the radar and so I knew this guy knew something about him so I asked him, I said, hey, whatever happened to him? And I gave him the name. And he said, oh, he said, uh, he's a Buddhist monk now. And he showed me a picture of the guy. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I said, how do you stand in a pulpit and feel the surge of the Holy Spirit as it flows through you to communicate the Word of God day in and day out and then turn into a Buddhist monk? How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Spirits of divination get in the church. People quit reading their Bible. They quit praying. They quit meeting together in Christian community. All of a sudden, but coming to church and fellowshipping with one another is no longer a priority. And the farther you stay away from it, the weaker spiritually you get. And before long, someone gets up and they say something that looks anointed and they say something that sounds anointed and they act like they're anointed and because you've been out of it for so long you can't discern it you think they're anointed and because you think they're anointed you receive what they say and instead of receiving the engrafted word of God you're receiving a spirit of divination that's come inside of you and it'll lead you down the road through doctrines of devils straight to hell that's the word that's the word it's important it's important to stay in the word it's important to continue to pray. It's important to be discerning. You've got to be very careful because spiritism and the occult have found a welcome home in Hollywood today. Entertainment shapes our culture. We see this more and more. And, and you know, I've mentioned this before and people will come to me and they'll say, I just can't believe you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to call it like it is. All right? We, there's movies like Twilight and, and Harry Potter and and the, the Lord of the Rings and a host of other television series and movies that contain the occult and they contain spiritualism and they invade our lives through the guise of entertainment. Listen, if you're watching that stuff, quit it. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're opening yourself up. Well, it's just entertainment. No, honey. It's not just entertainment. It's shaping our culture. Spiritism and the occult have invaded many churches around the world today. And the church in America, they don't even, they don't even recognize it. You know how we can tell? Because the churches in America defend Halloween more than they do Christmas. That's how we can tell. That's how we can tell. And listen, you need to go to a place where they're going to preach to you about the cross. You need to go to a place where they're going to preach to you about the blood of Jesus Christ and how He redeems you from sin. You need to go to a place where a preacher has the backbone and the audacity to stand up and call sin for what it is and tell you if you're sinning, quit it. Yeah, 
You need, you need to be under the teaching of someone who loves you enough to teach you these things and to tell you what the Word of God says. Unfortunately, in America today, those places are becoming fewer and farther between. And I'm telling you right now, it's a sign of the times. It's a sign of the times. Listen, Mom and Dad, it's time for you to stand back up for your kids again. It's time for you. You quit, you quit letting the educational system teach your children about where they came from. And you set them down and you put the Word of God inside of them. You put the Word of God in, inside of them. So my question is, you know, do, does the church preach the gospel? There's a lot of churches today that are no longer preaching the gospel. There's self-help gurus standing in the pulpit masquerading as ministers of God's holy word. Listen, let me tell you, there's conferences and counseling couches for that. If you need some help, self-help, don't go to church to try to get a self-help guru to help you. Go to church to get infused with the word of God. Amen. We are not a feel-good conference. We are a place where God's holy word is taught and where God's holy word is embraced and where we can encourage one another and live uh, and, and learn how to grow in Christian community. Number six, a sign of the times. Mass animal deaths and natural disasters. Hosea 4 and 3, Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken. There's mass animal deaths. During the last few years, we have seen a lot of fish and a lot of birds. I mean, we have a thing in Florida called red tide. There's millions of fish that die every year. But I'm hearing reports more and more, it seems like almost every spring and summer and fall, of great big flocks of birds that are just falling out of the sky and landing dead. That's a sign of the times. It's what the Scripture says. It's a sign of the times. The bees and the, and the bats are dying by the millions. If the bees die, we die. So the bees and the bats are dying by the millions. And then in Luke 21, 25 through 26, upon the earth, the Bible said, There is distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves shall be roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. I read last week when I was studying for this message, I read last week where in... In the month of May alone, there were over 500 tornadoes reported in the Midwest. In the month of May alone. The Bible says in the last day that the sea and the waves and the wind and all of that would be roaring. What about the floods? There's floods everywhere. What about wildfires? Every time you turn on the news, it's like there's a wildfire somewhere. And then we hear about typhoons on the other side of the world. We hear about great tsunamis, and we have problems with hurricanes around here occasionally. And so the Bible talks about that. The Bible uh, talks about earthquakes. Earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24 and verse 7, the Bible said there's earthquakes in diverse places. In preparation for this message, I downloaded an app. And this app tells you when earthquakes take place around the world. Five minutes ago, there was a 3.41 earthquake in Jamestown, Southland, New Zealand. Seven minutes ago, there was an earthquake 29 miles west-northwest of Anchorage, Alaska. That was almost a one point. In Acapulco, 
the, at 23 minutes ago, there was an earthquake 4.30 on the Richter scale. And in east of San Jose, 14 kilometers east of San Jose, 33 minutes ago, there was a 3.40 earthquake. I can just go on. See, I can just scroll down through here. These are all the different earthquakes that have taken place. Here, let's just get down here to about, let's see. Okay, that was from in Sicily, Italy, four hours ago. There was a 2.30. But look at the earthquakes within the last just four hours. Let's, let's look at the earthquakes within just the last just the last four hours. See, we just scroll down. All those earthquakes have taken place all within the last four hours somewhere on the face of the earth. You can download that app. It's called Earthquake. You can download that app and you can look at it. When you look at it, I immediately thought of Matthew 24 and 7 where the Bible says in the last days there would be earthquakes in diverse places. It's a sign of the times. Jesus is coming. How long has it been since you've heard a message about Jesus coming? How long has it been since someone has stood in the pulpit and for your ears, except around here, but for your ears told you, you know what, you may not live out all of your days because Jesus may come first. You might not make it till next week because Jesus may come first. He may come first. Hallelujah. And for those of us that are born again, and those of us that are prepared, and those of us that are ready, that's an exciting bit of news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But for the lost, and for the lukewarm, and for the cold, and for the indifferent, that's really scary news. You can fix that today. You can fix that today. You can put, get your heart ready so when Jesus comes, you are ready to go. So then we go on here. In time, sign number seven. False Christ, false prophets, and a world pushing for peace but getting war. Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 5 and verse 11. And many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. Let me help you with this, okay? When the Bible said, Many shall come in my name and say, I am Christ, the word Christ means the anointed one. And so what this means is many will come in His name and say, I'm anointed. You need to listen to me. Here's a little tip for you. If somebody has to tell you they're anointed, they're not. Look at your neighbor and say, If someone tells you they're anointed, tell, look them. Run. That's right. They're not. They're not. But the Bible said in the last day that people will come and say that. They'll be coming and they'll say, you need to listen to me. I'm anointed. You need to listen to this. We got to go. Oh, that's an that's an. No, 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 no. Listen, if somebody's anointed, they don't have to tell you. Their fruit, there is fruit that comes from their life and from that anointing that's in their, in their life. So uh, the Bible said in the last days that, that people would stand and when they stand before God, they would say, well, but Lord, and Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they said, but I heal the sick in your name. I cleanse the leper in your name. I raise the dead in your name. And, and, and Jesus will say still, depart from me, I never knew you. Well, you say, Pastor, how is that possible? Because the word is anointed. I said in the first service, I'll say it right now. Mickey Mouse could stand up here and preach the gospel message and there is enough power in the Word of God to cause people's hearts to turn to God. 
He doesn't have to stand up here and show us how pretty his ears is. He just needs to stand up here and just say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And there's something about that message that will reach into the hearts of the seeker, those that are lost without God, and it will grab them and pull them to God. It's not because of how pretty Mickey Mouse's ears is. It's because of the power that's attached to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's how that can happen. The world will be pushing for peace in the last days. For when they shall say, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 7, And you shall hear of wars, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In the 20th century, more people have died. We have documents of more people that has died in the 20th century than in the entirety of all of history because of war in the last 20th century. Number eight, end time sign, famine. Matthew 24, 7, the Bible said that there would be famine in the land. Billions of people go to sleep hungry every day. 2.4 billion people survive on less than $2 a day in a world that has 7 billion people in it. Add to that the failed crops throughout the world because of extreme weather. Bees dying off in massive numbers. The political ramifications of things that are taking place where farmers no longer find it profitable enough to go into the fields and plant the seed that feeds the world. In America, we throw food away by the truckloads and pop attitude if we don't get what we want to eat for dinner. America is the modern church of Laodicea. We think we're awesome, but we're not all that. My prayer today, I love America, but when it comes to the American church, my prayer today is God don't let the world mimic the American church. Revelation 3.17, speaking of the church of Laodicea, says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. End time sign number nine. Christian persecution. Easily offended. Betrayal and hatred among the so-called Christian ranks. Permeating the day and age in which we live. Matthew 24, 9 through 10. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. I've never experienced betrayal like I have experienced in the last 10 years in the church. Ever. The viciousness of people who call themselves Christians today. If you say something they don't like, they can't just go to the church down the street. They have to try to rip your life and your ministry completely apart. It's hellish. It's devilish. It's demonic. It's the demon of betrayal. The demon of hatred. In the first century, Christians were being killed for their faith. In this century, faith is being killed in Christians 
because of the demonic activity that goes on in the church. There's people today that are in counseling because a pastor had the audacity to tell them no. I have to go get healed. I have to go get... uh, My feelings were hurt. Grow the heaven up. (laughs) People throw temper tantrums when they don't get what they want. You pour into people for years and years, and as soon as they don't get what they want or what they think is owed to them, they betray you. You find out very quickly they're hirelings and not faithful. How can we protect against this, Pastor? Be discerning. Please discern. Not everyone's a sheep. There's goats out there. And there's wolves out there. Not everyone is a sheep. They carry spirits of religious, they they carry religious spirits of divination. Just because someone can sing so well it peels the paint off the walls, it doesn't mean they're anointed. The church today has gotten to the point, the church today has gotten to the point where we have failed to discern the anointing. We can't tell the difference between talent and anointing. It's time for the church to start becoming discerning again. And and, and here's, here's a good rule to go by. People who have the love of Jesus in their heart will not try to destroy you behind their back, behind your back, when things don't go their way. Grown ups understand that things can't always be their way. Juvenile Christians pitch juvenile fits and try to wreck ministries when things don't happen their way, and try to wreck your life. They'll try to wreck your family. They'll try to wreck your ministry. It's a sign of the end times. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm a, well, quit taking offense. The only offense that's effective is the offense that's taken. And then number 10, number 10, there will be an increase in sin causing even the elect, the Christians, to turn away from the truth. Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. For the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine. They won't be able to stomach it. They won't be able to endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And those teachers will turn away their ears from the truth and those folks will be turned unto fables. That's happening in the day and age in which we live. So how do I guard against that, Pastor? We'll give you three words. Ready? Study your Bible. That's how you guard against false doctrine. You study your Bible. The greatest majority of professing Christians these days do not study their Bible. They just take whatever the preacher said as gospel. I want to tell you something. For someone that's been preaching since I was eight years old, 
There are times I have got in the pulpit and preached things and two weeks later had to get up and say, whoops. I have made studying the Word of God my life, but it doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes. It's important for you to get into the Word of God. Develop a relationship not just with God, but with His Word. And allow that Word to shape and mold your life. You come to church to learn things, to be inspired, to communicate in Christian community, to, to fellowship in Christian community and those things. And that's wonderful and that's great. But don't ever just come in blind. Be ready to try the spirits to see whether they are of God or not. If you don't know the words, you can't discern what is true and what is false. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And the last thing I want to share with you today is found in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 14. And, it's, and this is a sign of the times. I didn't put it in my 10, but it's my closing. It says, And this gospel shall be preached in all the world unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now notice there was a clarification on the gospel. He said, And this gospel. There's all kinds of gospels out there. This gospel, listen, ain't but one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one cross that can redeem your soul from hell. There's one person that died and shed his blood to cleanse you of your sin. There aren't a hundred ways to heaven. There's one. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that must be preached around the world in all nations before Jesus comes. And today it's being done through television, through the internet, through satellite, through printed media, through radio, through shortwave radio. It's being done through missionaries, through evangelists, through pastors, through teachers. It's being done all over the world. The message of the gospel is being preached all around the world today. It's a sign of the times. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Woo, good news. Good news. Amen. I know this is a little different than what we normally do and than, than how I normally preach. But God poured this into me and, I, and, and He had to get it through me today. And listen, those of you that are watching from around the world online, those of you that will watch this later, I want you to know that Jesus is coming. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank You for the power of Your Word we thank you that there are signs in the scripture. We know we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the signs of the times. And thank you for the signs in the scripture that Jesus is coming. I thank you that, Lord, we are closer to that than we have ever been. And Lord, if there's anyone here or anyone watching who don't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that the scales would fall from their eyes so that they would recognize their need of a Savior. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you're watching online. 
or across the television network in the Middle East. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to pray with you right now. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. Make me a Christian. I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on Calvary for me. And today, I want you to be the Lord of my life. So I receive you into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.